0: Good morning. Indeed, today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It is Monday, September the 30th, 2019. Or if you are celebrating Rosh Hashanah today, uh, then um, this is the year 5780. I so think that's a really good perspective. I think it's a really good perspective to acknowledge that um, according to one calendar, the calendar that we follow culturally, this is the year 2019. Um, according to the calendar, kept now for almost 6,000 years by the Jews, uh, this is the year 5780, 5780. So um, if you're making out your checks today and you just want to gain a little eternal perspective on the day, um, you know, I don't really know. Can you mark your, ca- can you mark your check September 30, 5780, and just see what happens? I, I, I don't know. Would they view that as marking your check in the future, I, I don't know, because um, then you could have a little fun talking about Jewish history and who we are as uh as Christians with the Jewish Messiah. I mean all it's all kinds of good conversations. okay, um yesterday, I've one item of business to um to deal with before we bring on Nick Pitts and talk about actually we're going to probably continue talking about this same matter. but I want to uh, lead off today with something that uh, happened yesterday that I found really particularly troubling and i want us to uh to deal with this here take 2 minutes to deal with this yesterday there was a very prominent pastor he often appears on television in support of the president and he said this if the democrats are successful in removing the president from office i'm afraid it will cause a civil war like fracture in this nation from which this country will never heal now the president went on to tweet um something that was not actually a direct quote of that uh individual uh and so fomenting conversation about uh, civil war here in the United States, uh, whether or not a president talking about that actually provokes people to respond in that way should something like impeachment actually transpire. Uh, Let me be very, very clear, very, very clear. We are gospel people. Um, We are gospel people. We never, we never think that a country is beyond the ability to heal. And so for a pastor to say that uh, anything here might happen from which the country would never heal is simply a non-gospel statement. It, it, is, it is absolutely just straightforward and affront to the gospel of Jesus Christ to say that something cannot be redeemed. Whatever we're dealing with in America, it can be redeemed. It is not beyond the power of God. It is not beyond the power of the gospel. And for us to bear false witness against our own, uh, our, our own knowledge of what God has already done in human history for the salvation of humankind is just irresponsible. So um, I want uh, want us as Christians to be people who are ultimately committed to the truth. Truth matters to us. Justice matters to us. I contend that we are yet one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I contend that as Christians in this culture— We can have an authentically Christian witness that sows peace and not discord. I contend that we can enter into the conversations of the day and bring the light of the gospel to bear, and we can actually transform, be a part of God's transforming witness in this culture. I have not given up hope. I have certainly not given up on the redemptive power of the gospel in this culture today. So the president's reference to civil war, if he's impeached, I think directly undermines our constitutional system of government. It sows ideas into people's minds that are violent and contrary to civil society. But for a pastor to go on national television and say that the country is, um, you know, is potentially beyond redemption, that's that's worse than undermining the Constitution because that undermines the gospel. So I want to just be really clear. We're going to be gospel people. We're going to hold up the good news of Jesus Christ no matter what the news of our day says, and we're going to bear authentic Christian witness in the context of this culture, and we are going to proclaim over and over and over again, even when we disagree with people. We are going to proclaim over and over and over again that God can yet redeem. God can yet redeem. Uh, It's going to be a historic week, I have no doubt, uh, and we're going to talk about the impeachment proceedings right now with Nick Pitts from the Institute for Global Engagement. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining me now is Nick Pitts from the Institute for Global Engagement. You can find what Nick is doing every single day at thebriefing.net. Nick, welcome back.
1: Hey, Carmen. So good to be with you all.
0: Have you given up on your hope for the country?
1: Oh, no way. What a time to be alive, Carmen. I mean, (laughs) we, uh, you know, I... There is great divisiveness, obviously, as you already pointed out uh, in the first uh, segment. And there is just a sense of palpable uh, excitement and agitations are running wild right now. But the good news is, as gospel people, we we believe it to be true that there's nothing new underneath the sun. And we know it to be true if we look back to the past, that there were individuals that were already predicting how these passions would be inflamed during the, uh, during the idea of impeachment. And th- that's where we can take heart in. Nothing new underneath the sun. there are individuals that forecasted this three hundred years ago, and uh, here we are today, seeing that they are true, but also understanding what Churchill said we haven't made it this far because we're made of hard sugar candy.
0: Mm, I like that I like that so, okay yeah. so let's do um let's let's bring people up to speed. Not everyone has been paying attention to the unfolding news related to impeachment proceedings. It certainly sounds as if um uh those proceedings are going to accelerate this week. Um, mm-hmm. it, it certainly sounds as if um, Adam Schiff in particular uh, and Nancy Pelosi as well are very, very interested in having this proceed fairly quickly. Tell us what, uh, tell us what we need to know in terms of sort of where we are in this process
1: yeah so over the weekend, what we found to be true is that the whistleblower uh has been working with Chairman Schiff and others on in Congressional leadership to actually testify before uh, the uh the House um, in some form or fashion. What we also found out to be true is that what we hear is that there was he is now underneath some type of federal protection right now because, again, passions have been inflamed. Uh, There was a couple of individuals that went on television shows uh, yesterday on the Republican side, and there were uh, there were some hard questions and some back and forth that went back over that as well but what we know to be true is that there's a process that's being formed right now our system has uh, has made it uh for the past 200 years um and I I think that our system is strong enough to be able, one, to be able to weather through this storm, but also, two, to do what it's supposed to do, which is to get to the bottom of the truth. We literally just got through a two-year investigation to get to the truth of what was happening with Russia and collusion, and we found the truth in that matter. And we can trust the system again that just a mere months later, it's going to come to the truth as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I think as Christians, Nick, um, one of the things we just have to continue saying out loud, not just believing in private, but saying out loud, is that the truth does matter to us. It, it, it Wherever the truth leads, that, that does matter to us. That matters more than personalities. It certainly matters more than parties. Um, the truth matters to us. I think part of the frustration people experience is they don't actually trust uh, trust the truth yeah. to be told, um, and they don't necessarily trust the truth to be presented Um, And so, you know, I think part of the frustration people experience is um, just a lack of trust, lack of trust in the media, a lack of trust in uh, some some people in elected positions of government. You know, I, I think that there's a trust issue.
1: I I completely agree. So you look back uh, a generation ago and 50 percent of Americans would say that they could trust their neighbor um, when something significant happens. That number has dropped to 33 percent today. If you're a millennial or younger, it's around 19 percent right now. We do have a trust issue. And as people that are uh, believers in the good news, it's going to be really hard to proclaim the good news in a fake news era. And so I think one of the ways that that happens is to look at Washington right now that's simmering in passion and there's great excitement. Knowing that this is again this just to be mindful of, Alexander Hamilton in, in Federalist Paper number sixty five predicted that this would be the case. He said quote that that in, impeachment will seldom fail to agitate the passions of the whole community. It will enlist all their animosities, partialities, influence on and interests on one side over the other. We've always known it to be true that impeachment was going to excite and rile up the passions on both sides of the aisle. But as Christians, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. That doesn't mean that we completely wash our hands of the political process, but we understand the limited nature of the political process. There are bigger matters to be concerned. Our prayers are for our leaders, our prayers that we would be able to live peaceable lives. And a part of that is advocating in the political process, but also a part of that is not worshiping the political process, knowing that that's the end all be all for the completion of the kingdom of God. That's not the case. We're gospel people. We're different people that when Washington gets inflamed, we're set apart and we help people understand that we're going to pursue after the truth and believe the truth, regardless of what side of the aisle it falls on and which side it happens to favor.
0: All right. Nick and I are going to take a break. When we come back, um, he's going to tell us about the fastest growing church in the world. This is a kind of a really, this is a good news story on a good news day. All right, Nick yeah. Pitts uh, from the Global from the Institute for Global Engagement. You can check out what he's doing at thebriefing.net. dot net. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, although uh Paul Perot wants Nick Pitts and I to want, he wants us to discuss a limited edition uh Snickers bar that features pecans, which obviously Nick and I would both love as Oh, I'd love it. Bring it up. It's oh, already it's already sold out, so I just don't even feel like it's right nor righteous to talk about it.
1: So uh, we're gonna move it. on. You've created you've created unhealthy levels of jealousy and covetousness in my heart right now.
0: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, and I, and and the only thing that would have been better if it had been a dark chocolate pecan Snickers. Like I just uh, feel like bec- the absolutely. milk chocolate part of it, you know, I can do without.
1: Uh, the dark, but dark cho- isn't dark dark chocolate like healthy for you? I oh, don't much understand. more healthy. Like, yeah. so yeah.
0: are pecans, oh. man. Like, right? It's practically oh. a health food. I know. Okay. Oh, really? We should. Oh, wow.
1: Okay, I feel good about we it. We
0: should. Mo- we should move on. Okay, the fastest growing church in the world is actually. Uh, in a country that is closed to the gospel. That is extraordinary good news today. Tell us about it.
1: Oh, my goodness. And so we're in the last segment, we talked about love. We've just got to be people of truth. And what we see when truth abounds is that the Spirit of God continues to work in profound ways, regardless of whatever, whatever systems of government that try to squelch it. And so the fastest growing church has no buildings, no central leadership, and is mostly led by women. What is that church? the church at work in Iran right now. So as tensions geopolitically intensify with Iran, the spirit of God is at work. Open Doors lists Iran as the ninth most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. However, uh, as we know to be true, that God defeated death and the Spirit of God that's at work in the people of God. I know that there's uh, there's great power because there's no fear. There's great power, strength, and self-control among the people of God. This is a country that has around 83 million people, and at numbers estimate between 300,000 to 1 million of those people are born-again believers. So that even though the government is trying to squelch the movement of God in this place where it's literally been outlawed, the Spirit cannot be stopped because He who started the good work is seeing it to completion.
0: Okay, so uh, the Sheep Among Wolves is—the uh, the first version of this came out, I don't know, maybe maybe three or four years ago. And so um, we just want to celebrate this, uh, this alliance that Maranatha and Pilgrim Media have in this uh, what's called Frontier Alliance international so FAI Studios is, is the one behind the movie Sheep Among Wolves, and there's a volume two coming out, is my understanding. Like, oh, maybe it's
1: already out. It, and, Did and you see it? The, okay, so here's – I I haven't seen it yet, but here's uh, – I was uh, – Talking with some friends that are kind of a part of the project. If your if your listeners want to be encouraged today, I, I would you know YouTube. There's so many good things that can happen on YouTube. But if you go on YouTube and talk uh, and type in "Muslim visions of dream Jesus" or "dreams of Jesus for Muslims," you're going to see how God is working in the Middle East right now through dreams and visions of Jesus and the testimonies coming out of that right now of how one individual is 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 seeing a vision of Jesus and then leading his entire village, leading his entire family to see the God God of the universe. I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal what's happening. And again, this is uh, like what you said at the beginning, it's important for listeners to understand. Like, this is even when it is prescribed and it is prohibited to share the gospel message. Literally, Christianity is spreading, and I love what one of the intelligence ministers says. He says that there are ordinary people whose jobs are selling sandwiches or similar things like the penal code prescribes the death sentence for proselytizing and tips by non-muslims to convert muslims but that isn't stopping it there's there's been over 500 uh in, instances of uh, the government officials trying to seize and taking uh, arresting christians for practicing their beliefs but yet the spirit of god continues this is such great news
0: it's it really it is extraordinary and it it, it makes me mindful of um, God's redeeming power, His nature, um, His His devotion to the salvation of people. Like mm-hmm. we we worship a God who's not only great; He's genuinely good. God mm-hmm. is genuinely good, and His heart is that people would know Him. Um, and in knowing him, be be saved through him by grace in Jesus Christ. Like that is, that's what's going on globally. I think we fixate so often on what's happening either in our immediate life, like the pain we're experiencing right mm-hmm. now in our back or our lower leg or the back of our head, like whatever, right? Or mm-hmm. we fixate on what's happening in our own country as if, you know, everything in all of human history hinges on what happens today um, yeah. here in the United States of America. And really, really everything in all of human history hangs on a hinge of the cross. And, it, mm-hmm. and, and that happened 2000 years ago in a place, you know, called Golgotha um, yeah. through, you know, through Jesus Christ. And so I think, you know, it's helpful, Nick, every single day for us to not only be mindful of what's happening geopolitically, but what's happening in the cosmic, redemptive reality and plan of God uh, working, working salvation out among his people here on
1: Earth. Completely, it is so easy just to myopically get focused with what's happening in our own personal lives or maybe here in the U.S. But here, take great heart that even though we may be losing the quote unquote culture wars here in the U.S., Aslan is still on the move. Every day that there in reports that indicate that 84,000 people are becoming a member of a church. God is on the move right now. We might not see it, but just because we can't see his footprints doesn't mean that he's not walking us toward being better today, being better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today.
0: Um, So right now people are pounding their steering wheels saying, amen, amen, amen. Like, right? I know they are, because that's what my husband would be doing. If he were listening to us right now, um, that's what he would be doing. He'd be like, amen, 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 pounding the steering wheel, right, as he's driving. So uh, if that's you and you're listening right now, Nick Pitts and I are with you in heart and in spirit and in eternity because we are brothers and sisters in uh, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, you guys have to go to thebriefing.net today, thebriefing.net, because um, if you haven't seen it yet, the, the video of the little tiny kid absolutely laughing. I mean, I I actually uh, bookmarked this on my computer so I could just watch it over and over again. This dad is holding a W, which obviously if you turn it over, it's an M. The glee of this little child learning that a W and an M when you turn them up, it is absolutely precious. And that's one of the things Nick does every single day is he finds a culture clip for us. That brings us great joy and reminds us of the joy of our salvation. Not just how the gospel bears on the headline news of the day, but the genuine joy of the gospel. Hey, Nick, we've got two minutes. Can we, um, can we talk about? I I loved this piece on what we tell ourselves when we knowingly sin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the fundamental fundamental attribution error. There's a there's a idea that we kind of build these stories and justifications around our kind of our our. Uh, inappropriate, sinful behavior. And what we know this to be true, right? Like, I mean, even in even when we see in Romans, like, our heart will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So our heart gets hardened, and that allows our mind to be able to run and have this justification that what we're doing is all right. And what I uh, highlighted is the idea of littering. Uh, littering, uh, there's it, it's abounding. 75% of Americans have said that they've littered sometime in the past year. And what you do when you litter is, obviously, you just put a micro. Up to uh, creation that's groaning for redemption. Um, and what we see is that littering not only as just alleviating yourself of uh, trash and, and putting it in a, in a proper place, but it's also covering over the crevices of God's grace that He has crammed His goodness into this entirety of the human world. And so instead of just allowing a heart to be hardened and allowing these justifications for these inappropriate and simple actions, allow the gospel message to be that, uh, allow the gospel message to shine a light on that inappropriate behavior and also to soften your heart so that you might see that God is doing a great work in creation and he's calling you to be a part of that as well.
0: So um, my freshman uh, college summer, I worked for a month at a Young Life camp called Windy Gap. And um, it's where, you know, college students are actually giving part of their summer to serve high school students, that these high school students might come to know Jesus. Like, that's the that's really the, the formula there. And part of your role and responsibility on student staff over the summer is you never, 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 never step over a piece of litter. Like if, if someone else has dropped it, it's now your responsibility on student staff to pick it up. Yeah. And um, and and what we talked about was just acknowledging that's a little piece of Satan,
1: yeah. And you have right. you have
0: the opportunity today to pick it up and throw it in the trash. And let me just what? tell you, it is so edifying to pick up little pieces of Satan and throw him in the trash.
1: What a humbling picture that looks like, too, as you're on your way, you're busy, you're making your way to whatever is next. But you're even if you're dressed in a suit today to bend, bend, bend down and pick up a piece of trash. How, what not a humbling picture that even this minor piece of trash, when I'm looking my very best, it's not below me to do something like that.
0: Uh, and, and, you know, and in Christ, right? I mean, that's just an yeah, example yeah. of he, he saw nothing as beneath him to do well, on our behalf. I'm okay, watching. so as Christians today, let's just ask our listeners if they could do that. Could you today pick up some litter, pick up some trash in evidence that nothing is beneath you in Christ, and you, you are able today to pick up a little piece of litter and sort of throw Satan in the trash today? It's pretty empowering. Right. Okay, uh, Nick Pitts, thank you so much. You guys check it out at thebriefing.net. We'll be right back. all right I got Virginia on our uh, on our text line saying that she's picking up litter today amen Virginia welcome welcome to the community of believers that's advancing the gospel every day in God's redemptive like testimony like we're picking up trash and we're throwing Satan or we're picking up litter we're throwing Satan in the trash little piece by little piece there you go I just the uh, yeah <clears throat> I love it okay one of my uh, let's see I'm supposed to be telling you what we're doing next um So, uh, turning our attention to global news, Ruth Kramer is going to be with me here in just a minute. Mission Network News. I don't know if you know that Haiti is aflame, literally. Um, Haiti, which is just our southern neighbor by less than a thousand miles, um, open revolts in the streets. The police are using tear gas and live ammunition. People are desperate. uh, we're going to turn our attention to Haiti. We're also going to talk a little bit about Turkey. Ruth had an opportunity to have a conversation with Andrew Brunson. You will remember that we prayed for Andrew's release. We worked on his behalf to uh, to see him released from Turkish custody. We're also going to talk about refugee resettlements. So we got all kinds of stuff to talk with Ruth Kramer about. That's up next here
2: on Morning with Carmen. I live in Minnesota, where the weather seems to always be extreme. Our winters are very cold and snowy. Our summers, well, they're hot and humid. Spring and fall, barely long enough to notice. Hi, this is Callie Breeze, helping you be wise and thrive. Spending habits can run hot and cold, too. Some people are big spenders. Some are very frugal. You probably know people who fit into both categories. The truth is, as with most things, neither extreme is healthy. If you spend too much without preparing for the future, you risk not having enough, whether it's for an emergency, for retirement, or for planful giving. But if you hoard your money, you may miss out on the joy of life and giving to others. Fear controls your pocketbook. So how do you get past either extreme? Ask God for wisdom when it comes to your finances and try to be a good steward of the gifts God has given you. You'll be able to make sure your finances reflect your faith
0: where no one has gone before. Okay, joining me now is Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can check out what we're talking about today at MNNOnline.org. MNN stands for Mission Network News. MNNOnline.org. Ruth, welcome back.
3: Thank you for having me. It's been a while.
0: It has been a while. It has been a while. Um, thanks for thanks for being with us. Um, you're closer to the four feet of snow in the uh, Rockies than you are <laughs> to the 98 degrees that we're experiencing here today in Nashville. So I'm just jealous.
3: Well, it's going to be 80 degrees today, but it's been, mm. it, rain is in the forecast for the whole week. So, you know, we'll take mm, it. So swaying. jealous. Yeah, well, yeah. I it's, know, it's, it's I know. We're, the, we're in we're drought.
0: Still. We're like in this crispy, nasty, hot drought down here. Okay. So Um, I'm not going to complain, though, because um, things in other places are uh, far, far worse. Tell people what is happening in Haiti and what you're hearing from your mission partners there.
3: Well, Haiti has actually gone all all upside down and sideways. Um, If you haven't been following what's been going on there, the country is actually gripped in a crisis right now. Um, Massive protests. Usually when they have demonstrations, they're very orderly, they're um, planned, and there's just a lot of things that that people can get out there and, and demonstrate uh, their particular perspectives on an issue in the streets. Um, a lot of what you see in the media is what happens when they don't feel like they're being heard. So when you see the fires and the cars being burned and um, the riots and everything, it's because three weeks of protests have really garnered nothing from the government. And that's where we are right now. It's been almost a month and people are very angry about uh, how President Jovenel Moisi has been handling things. They're accusing him of corruption because there was an oil deal made uh, with Venezuela that was supposed to provide fuel to Haiti, and it, nobody knows where the fuel is and nobody knows where the money is. Um, so you have a situation where you have rampant inflation, uh, shortages on food, fuel, uh, fresh water, all that kind of stuff. And so people have finally just reached their, their limits, and they're, they've been out on the streets protesting. Now, what happened over the, the last three or four days is that the protest just took a really nasty turn. Um, they're have been some deaths in relation to the what's become riots. Um, the government really is kind of just hunkering down, and they're saying, look, we're going to put a call out there for a unity government. We'd like to be able to address some of the concerns that you have, and uh, let us get started by, putting, by appointing a prime minister. Um, the protesters have rejected that. So right now, everybody is still out on the streets, and they're very, very angry. In the situation that we're looking at for the rest of the week, um, because the president has rejected the call of the protesters, um, there are real concerns that this could really get out of hand. We've heard from our partner that United Nations is considering sending peacekeepers back in.
0: Mm. Remind us, um, I mean, Haiti is not that far away. I mean, Haiti is uh, less than a thousand miles from... You know the United States of america uh, it's certainly less than a thousand miles from miami um it's it's closer uh to me right now than I probably am to most of the people who are listening to this radio program across the upper midwest of the United states um remind us what i mean why why is Haiti such a perpetual mess i mean that's, that's a, i know that's kind of harsh to say, but it seems as if this is a a near neighbor um in which we have invested a lot. We, I mean, lots of ministries are invested there. Lots of American resources have been invested there over the years. Why? Why is Haiti seemingly such a perpetual mess?
3: Well, a lot of that's going to go to the issue of corruption. Um, mm-hmm. The the mm-hmm. government leaders, you know, are just greedy. Um, and you know, if you remember back when the the major hur- uh, earthquake hit, and mm-hmm those resources went into Haiti and you had the bottleneck in the at the airport and you had just mass confusion and disorganized government. Um, by the time things got sorted out and, and resources started getting out to some of the affected, um, there was still I mean, the, the disorganization was part of it. But then things went missing and nobody could account for what was going on or where things wound up. And the the, the people who seemed like they were benefiting the most were the government officials. So anytime you talk to someone in Haiti who is dealing with perpetual crisis, um, and you say, how come Haiti is such a mess? Uh, They'll say two things. One is Haiti desperately needs Christ. And Mm -hmm. the other thing is Haiti remains the poorest country in the lower hemisphere. Um, And uh, they are just filled with government officials who are just lining their own pockets. So you're dealing with massive issues of corruption and people who don't necessarily have a firm grasp on how to fix the situation, because what's being suggested now is you guys got to start over, just start from scratch, you know, get everybody out of the government, just redo the whole thing. And the idea of what, what's gonna, what it's going to take to redo the government, to start from scratch, to um, start from ground zero is almost impossible. So now people are going, well, what's our best option? Best option is let's start over, get a new president in, start a new government and try to um, make the best of a, a very difficult situation all day Sunday. I just want to put this out there because of what is happening and you feel like this is like right on the edge of uh, of some major change. All day Sunday, people stood in lines to try to get stocked up on what they could find on water, gas, basic supplies, because they're worried that the next thing is going to shut everything down for a couple of weeks. And already things are in shortage. So it's been very, very difficult. Um, people are hunkering down because they don't want to be out on the streets. The concern from our partners in northern Haiti is that things will kind of start spreading out of Port-au-Prince, which is where everything is right now. Um, and so people in other areas in Haiti haven't been directly affected by these riots um, in terms of the shutdown of the government not being able to get anywhere, being affected by closed banks and businesses and things like that. Um, but the concern is because it's a national issue. Uh, that it would spread because we 've seen that happen before, in fact, it happened earlier this summer, so um, just be praying for your ministry partners if you if you are sponsoring a kid in you know through one of the many ministries that works in Haiti, be praying for the leadership of those ministries because they're going to have to make some interesting calls in the next few days and keeping their kids safe and keeping the families uh, safe or trying to make sure people are resourced with food because when things like this happen people no longer have access to food and some people go without food for a few, several days
0: all right let us be uh prayerfully attentive to the issues in haiti and for those who are engaged in you know what i would describe as nation building and nation rebuilding ministries you know, this is uh, this is this is an opportunity yet before us. Ruth Kramer and I will be back in just a moment. She had the opportunity to have a conversation with Pastor Andrew Brunson. Uh, you will remember him as the Presbyterian pastor who was imprisoned uh, wrongfully in Turkey um, for I, as I recall, more than two years. My math could be off. Ruth will remind us about all of that. She'll also give us an update on what uh, Pastor Brunson is up to today. That's on the religious liberty front. Next, here on Mornings with Carmen. Because our research department uh, here at Faith Radio Never Sleeps, also known as Paul Perot, I can now tell you that it's nine miles further from Madison, Wisconsin, to Bismarck, North Dakota on Interstate 94 than it is from Miami to Haiti. So those of you who are listening uh, this morning in, uh, in Madison on 104.7 FM or 1190 AM, and those of you listening at our Bismarck affiliate at 89.1 FM, uh, the you you guys are actually nine miles further apart than are the people in Florida from the people in Haiti. So just giving us a little bit of perspective that we can. Uh, thanks, Paul, for that. No problem, um, Ruth. Yeah, thank you. Ruth Kramer is with us from Mission Network News. You can check out everything that she and I are talking about today at MNN Online, Mission Network News, MNN Online dot org. Um, Ruth, uh, remind us of the situation in Turkey. And then take us into your conversation with Andrew Brunson.
3: Okay. Well, the situation in Turkey in terms of uh, its connection to the Christian community is, I don't want to say necessarily strongly deteriorating, but it's... (laughs) That's good language. It's not getting better. Um, We just got word through our partner, Middle East Concern, that Turkey expelled yet another foreign Christian out of the country. Um, This has been sort of a, we're not going to call it necessarily a crackdown because uh, I don't think that's the right terminology, but it's following a pattern of multiple expulsions or multiple denials of entry uh, against people who are working in Turkey and they are Christians. Um, As far as what, as we know from Middle East Concern, there have been at least 23 cases Cases of expulsions or denials this year alone. Um so it the, the pattern has accelerated. Um and what we know is that um Erdogan has has really gone public with his intent to turn Turkey into a Muslim state. Um and we saw some of those things changing uh especially after the coup attempt in twenty sixteen, in which uh there was the the after effect. Um was that he he cracked down on anybody that he thought might be a dissenter. And a lot of those people, I was going to say some, but a lot of those people happen to be Christians because um, Erdogan feels that things that Christians are doing in Turkey um, are issues of national security. They are threatening national security, threatening national identity. The crime that many of these people are are accused of committing is Christianization or proselytization, um, changing the identity of Turkey, because the whole idea is like to be Turkish is to be Muslim, to be Muslim is to be Turkish. So if you're doing something against that, then the the state looks at it as a high crime. And that's what you're seeing a lot of things happen in terms of uh, the effect on Christians and why Christians are starting to feel um, the pressure now that's changing. Um, I wanted to note though that of the Middle Eastern states, uh, Middle Eastern countries or countries that have similar ideology with the the heavy influence of um, Islam in the countries, Turkey still has a relative degree of religious freedom. It's just that I think that you're seeing the storm clouds gathering on the horizon and things are actually starting to change. Um, At the same time, what we're also hearing is that Um, Young Turks are starting to kind of start questioning what's going on in their governments. They're seeing how the government's treating Christians, and they're asking themselves, but the Christians that I know are building into the communities. They're building schools. They're discipling people. They're coming alongside and walking life with us. How can this be a threat to national security? How can the message of hope and peace that they're sharing— be something so dangerous. And so what you're also seeing on the other side, even as the government is increasing the pressure, is that Muslims in Turkey are starting to search for hope and they're starting to find it in the gospel. So the church is growing at the same time the pressure is increasing.
0: Yeah, Turkey, you know, I think that we remember the day uh, and longingly remember the day when we were really talking about a largely secular Turkey um, and a good partner. And now we look at it, and I think the word deterioration is a good one, um, and the implementation of many aspects of Sharia law um, in relationship to Turkey are deeply, deeply troubling. Um, and so let's continue to pray on that front and support ministries on that front. Um, let's, uh, let's touch on the issue of refugee resettlement. We have just learned at the end of last week that the Trump administration's proposed cap on refugees here to the United States is going to be 18,000. Talk with us about refugee resettlement. And um, I know you've got a you've got a statement from one of your affiliates there at
3: Mission Network News. Right. Um, I could get into that, but I thought we were going to talk about Andrew Brunson.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I gosh, you know, because I'm looking at my sheet of paper. Yes, let's absolutely. You had a conversation with Andrew. Let's uh, let's let's talk about that before we get to the refugee
3: question. Thank you, Ruth. Sure. Um, I ran into him at the conference Missio Nexus, which connects the North American church to mission organizations. And uh, I got to admit a little bit of fangirling, you know, when I realized uh, <laughs> I not have the opportunity to speak. That to happens someone. a
0: lot to Presbyterian ministers, lots of fangirling. <laughs> yeah.
3: So one of the things, you know, as as you listen to him tell a story because he's going to tell his story. One of the things I wanted to ask him was, okay, everybody knows this side of your story. You were imprisoned uh, for your faith for two years. Uh, He was imprisoned October 6th in 2016 and released October 15th, 2018. Um, So you faced a lot of some difficult issues there And, and you came to a crisis of faith in that first year. What now? Um, and what he's saying, you know, right now he's sort of in that, that stage of everybody wants to hear from him and hear him tell a story. And um, he's, he's happy to, to share that and he, and he shares his crisis of faith. But one thing he really wants to, to put out there in front of people is that um, not only that there is the state of the church in Turkey, that there are believers in Turkey, but also something that we need to be aware of is that we might not be prepared in the United States for a crisis of faith. And that we could be seeing a massive falling away if we don't start preparing not only ourselves but our next generation for that crisis of faith. Ground them in the word and really prepare them for what it is uh, to be a follower of Christ in a day and age that is changing and shifting. Um, that is his main concern. One of the th- – you know when, when I've heard well, – I asked those questions in the interview and then I saw a couple of articles that came out. And that seems to be the thing that he's focusing on right now. In terms of um, new ministry, and that is to prepare people for a testing of their faith because it's coming. And so he's encouraging everybody to continue to pray for the believers in Turkey, for believers under fire, under pressure around the world, but also to really examine what we can do right now in our relative time of freedom to prepare ourselves, to really ground ourselves in God's word and prepare our kids for what is coming. Uh, I think we, in in the, the people who've experienced relative freedom, religious freedom, um, take it for granted a lot. Um, and we are one of the few countries where it's still... Um, a thing where we can go to our churches and our houses of worship, and we can openly identify as followers of Christ, and that might be changing.
0: Uh, indeed. Um, we, we just had this conversation a couple of days ago uh, it, about, you know, how do you teach these texts of Scripture that so clearly indicate that as Christians, you know, we are going to experience a cost, um, a, a cultural cost, a very real cost. Uh, you know, would you be willing to give up your job? What if it was required of you, you know the, the public testimony of being a Christian is still relatively um, uh, popular in the United States, although we we certainly recognize that um, that there is a challenge posed to each and every one of us uh, who 's going to be outwardly Christian when the culture is growing increasingly secular so um, Ruth, thank you so much. We're going to have to leave it right there. Folks are going to have to go to MNNOnline.org for all of the things that I, I wanted to talk to Ruth about, but I didn't move fast enough to get to. Ruth, I'm, I'm sorry. Obviously, you'll be back. We thank you for that. We thank you for what you do every day at MNNOnline.org. All right, so a little shout out to my litter lifters I'm gonna. I'm just going to, I'm adopting that language. We're going to be the Lord's litter lifters today. You, um, you are empowered. You are equipped. Every time you see a little piece of litter, pick it up and throw that little piece of Satan in the trash, right? Be a litter lifter. I know I've got a litter lifter on my team at Baggage Claim, at, uh, at MSP in the Delta area. So don't pull off your luggage tag. And- Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.